Next Chapter Podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, this episode is great and I'm pumped for you to listen to it, but before we dive in, I want to take a quick second to tell you about another really funny show from Next Chapter Podcast and the Midnight Gardeners League called Midnight Public Radio. With all the misinformation, disinformation, weird stories, and crappy content from around the world, there's only one place to turn for the relief from having to sift through all the noise by going straight to the fake news. Taking a page from the NPR playbook, Midnight Public Radio is a semi-improvised sketch comedy podcast that asks the question, how funny would it be if all those horrifying reports on climate change and boring human interest pieces on the guy who invented the ceiling fan were entirely made up? Like This American Life on Acid, Midnight Public Radio takes a world of stuffy intellectual broadcasting and turns it upside out and backwards, with each episode covering a different aspect of our world. Featuring absurd characters and hilarious segments about things like illegal caterpillar racing, death conventions, and a riot at an old folks' home, this is the show for everyone who's ever thought All Things Considered has a stick up their ass. War, sports, the culinary arts, NPR has it all. So listen to Midnight Public Radio wherever you get your podcasts or go to MidnightGardenersComedy.com to learn more. Now, back to the 500. The 500, the 500, J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing to new, hundreds more to go, and in need of a friend, the king of these four, Angelo, talking the 500 until the end, talking the 500 until the end. With my man J.M. On the 500, talking the 500 until the end. Shugga dugga doodly doo, subba dubba dooby too, baba laba deba scoo, hubba dubba deba doo. It's Don't Do Me Like That by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers from Damn the Torpedoes from 79. Hey, that was the year I was born. It's number 315 out of 500. What's up, 500 listeners? It's the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. 
June 24th and the 25th, I'll be headlining the DC Improv. Uh, I will also be doing a goddamn comedy jam at the world-famous 930 Club on June 27th for the DC Improv's 30th anniversary with an incredible group of comics. It's the biggest show of my life, going back to my home club, home rock club, where I've seen more bands than anybody. So I want to see everybody there. If you're in Baltimore, D.C., Pennsylvania, Virginia, if you can drive within 200 miles, I say even 300 miles, make it to the 930 Club and come see me headline. It's a big deal for me to do it at the D.C. Improv. What else? Oh, June 12th, I'll be doing uh, the Goddamn Comedy Jam at the Comedy Store. Uh, July 3rd, we're doing a Goddamn Comedy Jam at the Stand in New York City. And then Montreal and assorted other festivals throughout the year. Man, life's looking good. Join the Patreon. $5 gets you a question to our guest. So join. You get to ask questions. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. I, I assume there is like a place for you to see the guest, see the album, ask the question. And then I will read those on the air and give you a listener shout out for five bucks. Be a part of it. And then there's a YouTube. We are posting videos to YouTube every Thursday. All right. I was in Pittsburgh this past weekend doing a goddamn comedy jam with Mario Lemieux. I wore my Rod Langway jersey because I'm a Caps fan. Did it go well? I'm recording this before I leave. I don't fucking know. I think so. I think so. I think it went great. All right. Tom Petty and the Heart Brockers. They're a good band. I mean, you know, anytime I think of Tom Petty, I always think of the, the overweight girl about to get kidnapped and put into a well in Sons of the Lambs. And as she is driving that car, you know, the size 13, she mm, listening to American Girl. Now, that song is not on this record, but this might be the quintessential I don't know if I can say that. I'm speaking out of my ass. I don't know anything. But you know who does know a lot about Tom Petty? Our guest today, the one and only Jeff Tate, not the lead singer of Queensryche. The great comic Jeff Tate. You've seen him on The Late Show with James Corbin. You've seen him on High Court on Comedy Central. You've heard him on Mark Maron's What the Fuck on Birdcast, Dove Loves Movies. Uh, he's also opens for Tom Segura on the road. So if you have gone to any of Tom's incredible shows, then you've probably seen Jeff open him or Ryan Sickler. Either way. Good dudes, funny dudes, great fan of Tom Piddle. Piddle? Pizzle. Tom Piscotti. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The Five and listen free on all platforms. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Please do it. Also, uh, go to joshadammyers.com for tickets and uh, all the other stuff I'm cooking up. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group run by Evan. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. All right, Damn the Torpedoes, 315 out of 5 by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Uh, here we go. This is the T-shirt battle that, that the audience needs to see that we're having <laughs> right now. Because you know Sickler, right? Yeah, Ryan Sickler. So Ryan likes to make fun of me about this Queen T-shirt because when I had the TV show on Comedy Central when I did the hour, they you know they paid me a lot of money. I was very quick to spend all of it, sure. and I went to. Uh, do you remember Kelly Cole on La Brea? I don't. What was that? So Kelly, Kelly was a was a t-shirt guy. He made he 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 had he made his own stuff. He made great like black, white, gray t-shirts. He would take these old vintage Hanes shirts and like color them black and then maybe like make the stitching look a little cooler. 
Um, but great, man, like 60, 70 to a hundred dollar t-shirts. But like, I still have some that I bought from 2013, 2014, 2015 that I wear like at, at the taping at the Netflix tape, because they're so great, but he sold vintage rock t-shirts and had like grade a shit. He had, I mean, all the guns and roses, all the Metallica, all the Megadeth, all the Iron Maiden. So you have on the ACDC, so the big blanket ones, which are kind of like the, you know, when it comes to like collecting rock t-shirts, those were the ones that were like, oh, you gotta have a GNR, you gotta have an Eddie somewhere in time. Yeah, and yeah. and then he had, he one day I went in there and he had this queen t-shirt and I was like, yeah. oh, this is, this is pretty good. I was like, all right, how much is it? Okay, $450, that's a little pricey, but <laughs> let me just try it on. And I put it on and I was like, holy shit, this fits perfectly. Like, it's almost like the shirt was made for me and the shirt was so expensive that Wells Fargo cut my card off because they were like, that's fraudulent. There's, there's no way somebody's going to pay that much money for a T-shirt. And I had to like call them. And then me, we went out to dinner, me and Sickler after that. And they, they wouldn't let my card come back on. Uh, and so it got declined at Sugarfish in front of Giovanni Rabisi. He was sitting next to oh, us. No. Oh, no. <laughs> like he heard it. And I was like, run it again. I was like, I sold a Steve Reese. There's money in there. And then it came back 10 seconds later. Like, yeah, that ain't going. <laughs> you have to call your bank. But I love, oh, I love your, I love your, the made warship. Where is, like, do you, are you have a relationship with them or? No, no. I just found out about them like a month ago. Really? Yeah. There is. And then I bought a bunch of shirts right away. You well, you mentioned like Dean Del Rey for sure is the one that kind of told me about them, uh, but he just knows, dude. He legit knows everybody, like yeah. everybody. He had the Maid Warren guy on his podcast. Yeah, like, and it's like, <laughs> I mean, he, he the guy the guy that made the first Rolex was on his podcast, <laughs> Frank Rolex. <laughs> um, that's a great that's a great Tom Petty shirt. And, and rightfully so, because Tom Petty is one of those guys that, man, you know, you looked at like the Traveling Woolberries, that band, you remember that? You look at the legends yeah. that were in there and it, it's like, they really did get like five of like the fucking gods, like just, yeah, I mean, yeah. were you into them? Were you into the Traveling Woolberries? Was that a big deal or when that happened? No, I mean, especially not when it happened. I didn't know about anything until 1993. Like, really? My, da my dad was a minister, so I wasn't allowed to listen to anything, and nobody we hung around with listened to anything. So I didn't know. I didn't know anything. It, was, Wait, it wasn't so until I was 15 that somebody, somebody that was like in my class, had a car. So I was in a like someone that was my age was driving. It was the first time. Really? So you, you had no music until you were 15 years old. I mean, it was all, it was all like Christian music. Oh Lord, I mean, that's not bad. That's actually better than the stuff that we had. We had white Christian music, <laughs> which is very dirge like. Yeah. It's, it's the righteous gemstones, which is like, well, the devil's inside of all little children. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta that would have been fun. <laughs> Gotta get the devil out and bring Jesus in. Hey, let's shout. Oh, J E S U S. You're the best Jesus. Well, come on down and give me your time because you're ski loon do. I, I, I should be a preacher. I saw Joel Osteen yesterday at uh, at uh, Sirius XM. Really? 
Yeah, he was he was doing a thing in like the glass studio, and I was doing bonfire with Big J and and Soder. Well, Soder isn't there. I was co-hosting, but it's like you walk in, and I mean, like literally, there he is. There's this guy that people have given you know billions of dollars to, probably. Yeah. Uh, and and probably isn't really religious at all. So, all right, before we get into your to your past, before we even dive into Tom Petty, uh, Jeff, promote away. This is your moment. Anything you want to promote? I know you're you're on the road with Tom. Like, talk about it. Uh, the main thing that I want that I need promoted is uh, August 13th and 14th at Union Hall in Brooklyn. I'm recording an album and we're filming it. So nice. I have four shows. You can go to their website, UnionHallNY.com or mine, JeffTayComedy.com. Yeah, go people. If you if you've never seen Jeff live, he's hysterical, great comic, and <laughs> and Union Hall is such a such a great venue that. I mean, it's going to turn out really well, dude. I think the look of it, the sound of it is going to be great because that room fucking slaps. Yeah, yeah. I did it. The first time I did it was in December and it was, uh, I really liked it. Good. So as soon as it, uh, as soon as this came up and we were looking for a place to, to do it, I've never, I've never recorded one on the East Coast. All, all my albums have been like either West Coast or, uh, in Cincinnati. So we're well, happy to do. To- Welcome to like we're real comedy fans. Yeah, 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 yeah. Real comedy fans. Also, it's Brooklyn, so they'll all be communists too. That's perfect. (laughs) You're like, I got 20 minutes on Vladimir Lenin. Yeah, yeah. Positive. No positive (laughs) 20. Stalin. Oh, going. This is God, everybody. Are you guys all proletariat like me? Products of modernity. Okay. It's my favorite book. It's I love communism. I just it don't won't work, but I love it. Yeah, no, it's like I got I got most of my politics from uh, Kurt Vonnegut books. So, uh, yeah, that stuff would work, but he's dead, so we can't vote yeah. for him. Yeah, no. Well, we've got we've got some good people. We've yeah, got yeah. Biden and Trump to choose from. There's oh no- yes, quality. quality. <laughs> it's a solid. That's why Tom Petty's dead because he was like, I can't live this world no more. <laughs> Man, it was such a bummer, but he missed all the bad stuff. He she got yeah. out right before it got. He, it kept getting worse. It's gotten worse every day since he died. We lost. I, we lost. We lost Petty. How cool is that? That like he was able to do those shows at the Hollywood Bowl. Like I think he did like three or four nights at the Hollywood Bowl, and then he passed away. And there were so many people that I knew that went to those shows. I, of course, didn't because, and this, and to be honest with you, it's one of the reasons now I I will spend top dollar and I will go see those old artists like the Rolling Stones or Paul McCartney or if you know if Roger Waters comes around or, or anybody yeah, yeah. really because we're they're getting to that age where it's like, dude, I miss. I'm lucky I saw Prince. I never saw Bowie. Would have loved to have seen Bowie, and and now like. As I've, because I've never been a huge Tom Petty fan other than the hits. Like, you know, as I say on every episode, most of the time, this is the first time I've ever listened to. And for this record in particular, it was the first time I've ever listened to Damn the Torpedoes all the way through. But that being said, I knew most of the songs that were on it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's like, what, four greatest hits? Like on the, on the, on the, the single disc greatest hits. I think four of the songs are from that album. And then on the double greatest hits anthology, I think it gets up to six out of nine. I mean, Refugee, Here Comes My Girl, Don't Do Me Like That. Uh, And even The Losers. Those are the four from 
Yeah. I mean, those are, yeah, those are the ones, I mean, it's look, but here's the funny thing is I heard shadow of the doubt. I've heard century city. Uh, I've heard you tell, I've heard them all. I just never heard them in the order that they were laid out. So to go back for what we were saying. So, so you were raised in a very Pentecostal. I don't know. What was the sect? By the time I was 15, it was Pentecostal. It moved, it kept moving from uh i guess when i was real young it was church of christ like no no like acapella no music church of christ mm-hmm. then it moved to the church of christ that had a piano then it moved to christian church which sounds like just all of it but it's a very specific type yeah and then from that it went to like church of god and assembly of god like the holy roller speaking a tongue pentecostal stuff Holding snakes? No, nah, not snakes. We never got that far. <laughs> we Jeremiah were very did. close. <laughs> Jeremiah, <laughs> he's a snake holder. Jesus Christ, I'm going to don't yeah. fight me, you venomous lord. <laughs> you did snakes? Different snake. My own snake is the only snake oh, okay. I hold. <laughs> All right, yeah, we weren't allowed to do that either. Um... <laughs> Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. There was, this is an old joke, but the way to describe it is we weren't, we weren't snakes. We weren't all the way to snakes, but it was the kind of church where if someone brought a snake... Everyone would be like, I guess, I guess we do snakes now. Like, I it's, guess we're holding snakes. All right, just one more step. Nine? Yeah, <laughs> we would have done. We'd for sure, for sure, we would have done it. I don't know how. I don't know how it. Uh, it's like my dad. My my dad was able to like uh, think and be like move pr- progress through versions of Christianity, but that was the only place he was able to uh, like change his mind about anything. Really? Yeah. So he was, so you're, you're talking like a super strict upbringing then, right? Yeah. 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 So very, so, so you didn't even hear it in passing. I mean, did you like hear music and you were like, Oh wait, what is that? I mean, I guess, I I mean, I must've heard it at like the grocery store or, uh, you know, the, uh, restaurants probably, but like whatever, but not, not good, not like restaurants where they play fun stuff. Or not bars where there's a jukebox, nothing like that. Just whatever was on it, Bob Evans. Oh man, that kind yeah. of nonsense. That's and that's like Lawrence Welk. That's like, yeah, man. That's yeah. You're not getting no diggity by Blackstreet. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Wait, what is this? What is not this? The what is ground this? round. You just hear like rah, rah, nah, rah, nah. all I want to do zoom a zoom. You're like, oh, oh god. You say like plugs your ears. <laughs> yeah, so you yeah, can't exactly. hear that. <laughs> So then what happened at 15? So take me to 15 then. Um, I started going to, we changed school. Like, so we moved a lot too. So nothing ever there was, so there was no like older brothers. I never was like 
friends with somebody long enough to meet their family or whatever. It was yeah. just, we'd be in a town for a year. So the first six months you don't have any friends and the next six months you have some, but then you move and then you just start over. And we had just started over some new school, some, uh, the school I eventually, I ended up graduating from. They, uh, there was a kid in my class that was a year older and lived near me. So he would, I could get a ride home with him. And it was just the first time I was in a car with another kid. And so we just listened to the radio, like an actual rock and roll radio station. And Mary Jane's Last Dance is the first song I remember hearing. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> what, did it, what, did it, what did it do? Like, yeah, tell me that. Tell me the it, experience. As soon as I heard it, I, I knew. I was like, well, this is better for sh by like light years better than anything I'd ever heard. <laughs> uh, but I wasn't ready to. I think I knew better than to be like, well, then this is my favorite band. Like, I'm just, it was the first song I like actually listened to. So I, like, I just went with everything. Like I, I liked it. I got a couple of Tom Petty albums as fast as I could, but then I like, it took like a few years. It wasn't until uh, 99 that I realized, Oh no, this is just my favorite band. The dad album come out in 99 and I bought it. The day it came out, I heard them. They were on Rockline. Remember Rockline? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they were on Rockline on Sunday night. And I listened to that after work. And then they were promoting like, so Tuesday, the album comes out. I bought it that day. Listened to it a couple of times. And by like the third time through that album, I was like, well, I should get all the rest of their albums. This is my favorite band. And that's been like that ever since. Tom Petty's number one. Yeah, number one. By number a lot. Number one. I mean, what's what's number two? I don't. I mean, number two changes all the time. It's that it's uh, the. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what number two is. Maybe Pearl Jam. Okay, but, it's, it's uh, still in. It's still rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, but that like that definitely has some like. I like how much they like Tom Petty. <laughs> so it's all it's all from Tom Petty then. It seems like it. I mean, after that, it starts to, I listen to just more like everything has shifted so much yeah. over, over my life that lately I've been listening to like a lot of like early, earlier eighties stuff. And well, like, I mean, that's a bad way to say it. Like uh, the clash and the Joe Strummer solo albums. And uh, like, I just went through, uh, a phase where I listened to that first Cindy Lauper record yeah. for like a week. Uh, just new stuff. I like to like, not, not new release, but like stuff that I never really listened to. And the stuff that hangs around are those first, those there's like five Elvis Costello albums that I love and will go back to regularly. But there's so many Elvis Costello. He's like Bob Dylan, where there's just so much where you're like, you can love Elvis Costello or Neil Young or Bob Dylan and still be like, well, there's like 15 albums I've never heard. Yes, but here's the thing uh, with Bob Dylan and especially with me and how we do the podcast is like I was never really much of a Bob Dylan fan. And then on the podcast, our first Dylan record to dig into was Time Out of Mind. Um, yeah. So it's later. Yeah. Way different Dylan than early Dylan. Every song, six, seven, eight minutes long about the devil, about God, yeah, about yeah. death. Uh, and I'm like, all right, yeah, this, is, this is okay. And then the next one we did was Love and, Love and Theft, or I think that's what it was, which another great, important record by him. But still, 
later in his career. Every song's too long. Do you know and, when? And, they, and, do you know what day that one came out? Nine eleven. Nine eleven. Yeah. September eleventh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, dude. It was, dude. It's fucking, it, and it blew up. <laughs> it shit blew up. <laughs> the, um, I bought it that day. You know what else came out that day? Uh, Slayer. God hates us all. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, but I was gonna say Jay Z. Uh, I think the Blueprint two. Oh came yeah. Out that day, uh, there's a bunch of records because it's a Tuesday. So that was the day that records used to come out before, like you know, it became Apple fucking. Uh, they dropping it. You know, you, now you get a record to just like on a on a Wednesday night at like three in the morning. They're just like, yeah, just take it. Because yeah, it, but those it, are those are like special events. Like when Beyonce is like, here, put this out. Yes. Yeah. But they like seem to have shifted everything to Friday. Friday's is, a good day though. It's a good day to release a record because if you think about it, man, it's the weekend. You get to really fucking live with it. It's payday. Payday. Yeah, exactly. See what I mean? This episode's a banger. But before we get back into it, let's talk about another show from Next Chapter Podcast and the Clio Institute called House on Fire. House on Fire. House on Fire. Co-hosted by Katrina Irwin, a 24-year-old climate activist, and Carolyn Lewis, the founder of the Clio Institute. House on Fire is a youth-centered podcast that takes its name from Greta Thunberg's famous speech. Each episode invites scientists, activists, artists, and more to have important conversations about the complex crisis. Younger generations are inheriting a world that will be hotter, dirtier, and more crowded than ever before. And you might think, well, it's not my problem. I'll be long dead by then. But the consequences of our impact on the environment are coming a lot sooner than you think. So it's time to prepare young people for the harsh reality ahead of them. And one of the best ways to do that is by educating yourself. So listen to House on Fire wherever you get your podcasts and stay informed and involved. Or go to cleoinstitute.org to learn more. And now back to the podcast. So what I was trying to get to, though, is that it's not the way to experience Bob Dylan is start at the ass of it and work back to the front. Um now with Tom Petty, this being our first record that that we're digging in on the podcast, um, this is a great way to experience Tom Petty. You yeah, know what I mean? With starting with this record, because even if we started with Wildflowers or even the soundtrack to She's uh, All That, she, or <laughs> She's the one, <laughs> she's the one. Yeah, she's all that's a totally different movie. Yeah, but yeah. it's surprisingly a better movie. She's like, all she, that, or she's yeah, the one. she's the one is not a very good movie. Do you remember who wrote That was Ed Burns. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy that directed Brothers, uh, I think I want to say the Brothers McLaughlin or the Brothers O'Houlihan or something. He was the hot young director. Yeah, yeah. And his next movie was that, was She's she's the One. And that was the soundtrack. And I remember it had like Jennifer Aniston. It had an incredible lineup. Of, like the IMDb page for that was legit. Yeah, but, good, good cast. But it had that, it's got like one of the storylines is the brother can't, like his his brother is like dating Cameron Diaz, but married to Jennifer Aniston or something. And it's like, this is all like, this is just a fucking fairy tale. Like, what do you, yeah, dude, it's like make one of them gnarly. Like they're, they're both like tens. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this guy, it was such, I mean, it was that the mid nineties where you try to like create a problem for white guys. <laughs> it was real tough. You know what's funny though? They figured it out in the in the late two thousands because they figured out the formula that America wants is take a regular white guy and mix him up with another racial group's bad people. So it's like, all right, we've got uh, we've got an accountant 
in Missouri working with the Suarez cartel. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what it is. It's like, all right, so what we've got is a pastry chef in Toledo, Ohio, mixed up with a Japanese Yakuza. And that is a popular show America wants. That's what they want. They want regular white people dealing with uh, ethnic gangsters. Yeah, that is a good show. That is a good, that's a, that I'll take Ozark, that bitch. It's, it's Breaking Bad. It's Ozark. There's like five other shows, I think, that are like that, that are on like TNT. Um, so, all right, so, so let's talk, let's talk about, let's talk about your, your love for, for Tom. Have you, have you gone to see him live? Like, is it an obsession? Like, how has it evolved? Because being 15 and hearing that for the first time and then buying all of those records, I, I get it. That was how I was with, with Radiohead and not even the Radiohead, the Beatles in particular, because right around 15 was when the Beatles anthology came out. Oh, yeah, yeah. At that point on, I was like, oh, this is the greatest group in the history of mankind. Yeah, I did that too uh, with the Beatles. Yeah. Same same time frame. It's, it's great, dude. Free as a uh, bird, real love. <laughs> yeah, those are, those are the two, right? Those are the two fresh songs. Yeah, and they made the music videos and everything. Real love is way better than Free as a Bird, though. Jared, you're the you're the Beatles, dude. Do you agree? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> Glad to see you're paying attention, dude. I mean, but only when you compare them to each other. When you compare yes. them to other Beatles songs, they're like, okay. Right, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, they're just, well, Real Love is, there's a really good acoustic version of John Lennon just doing it by himself off of, I'm pretty sure it was called John Lennon Love because he put out Rock and Roll and Love. There were two records that came out in like the late 2000s, maybe mid 2000s, where there were a lot of the B-sides, a lot of the shit that they hadn't released and Real Love was on there. And I just think they don't, the way they did it was good but it's not as good as that clean version. They they took the they took that that acoustic version of him doing it, and then the rest of the Beatles added layers to it. But you know, Tom's different though, man. Tom is like, I, I can't, before we get into you, I'm trying to pinpoint the exact moment I knew Tom. I mean, maybe it was like running down the drain, you know, <laughs> running maybe down the dream, running down the dream. It's not drain. <laughs> no, it's not drain. <laughs> Well, I'm running down the drain, gonna unclog your thing. Right, that's like a that's like a blind melon mashup, dude. That's how stupid I am. When we did the <laughs> we did the we did the live taping of uh, of the 500 at Moon Tower, and I was going through the ble- the Weezer Blue record. It hasn't come out yet. It's coming out in a few months, but like I'm reading it, and I'm like, oh, it was produced by Rick Okasek, and like and like Big J and the Scholars like look at me, and they were like. You're kidding, right? I'm like, yeah. Okasic? Rick Okasic. I'm like, that's what I said. They're like, you said Okasek. I mean, how would you know? It's it, That's unfair. That's not a name that gets said a lot. I mean, on this podcast, it is. So. Right now, but it, but like, it's not like the band was called Rick Okasic and the Cars or whatever. Like, They never... How would you know? It's a name that you've only read. Unless you happen to catch an interview, and why would you, if you don't, I, if you don't already know, why would you be like, oh, they're in, the guy from the Cars is on Letterman tonight. I can't. I, I gotta go home. God, it just I felt. It, I, listen, this is what I said to them. I go, dude, it, we got the audience and us got such a fun laugh out of it. It was totally worth it. Oh, I mean, mispronounce them all from now on. <laughs> oh, and I do. Oh, and I do. Do you remember the order that you bought the records? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was. 
like everybody else in 1994, I had the greatest hits and wildflowers. Okay. And then I got full moon fever and then I got damn the torpedoes. And then I got, uh, echo was the fifth one. And that's the one that came out in April of 99. And that's the one that like sealed it. And so from then on, like with, and that's when I can't tell you the order because after that, it's all over the uh, place. I just got every, within like two months or three. I mean, this is how I didn't have any money. I was working at Applebee's or whatever. And I, sp- I was spending all my, all my extra money. Well, I was not even extra. I was spending way too much money on fucking drugs. Nice. And so then I to like carve out $25 or whatever to get five records at the half price books took a while. Yeah. yeah and so I just got them all as fast as I could. And then, so catching up, that was, so it was a big mash after that. And then after that, it was just the day they came out. So whatever the order release was, I was always is, there the day they came out. Is Dan the Torpedoes your favorite uh, Petty record? It actually isn't. Uh, really? But it's it's great. But it's, again, it's it, they all shift. Uh, it shifts around so much that um, it's hard to say what my favorite one is. I think Echo holds holds that nostalgic place for me because that was the one that made me decide I'm going to get all of these records. What was, what's on echo? Um, it was the first time where there wasn't a lot of hits or videos. It was free girl. Now is on it. Um, room at the top, Billy, the kid swinging. Uh, so if you've seen, if you had gotten to see him live, they would have played at least one of those. And I think on that, um, uh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, yeah. Damn, that's almost all the songs. Oh, it goes in a. Oh, it goes back and forth. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Room at the top is the song that um when he when he uh when he died. Room at the top is the song that Eddie Vedder sang at the Oscars. Oh wow! For in, the in memoriam segment, I remember. I remember when those when that was about to happen. I was like, I wonder if they're gonna if they're gonna show them. They'll probably just show them in the thing and then not they went way over and played like so eddie sang room at the top i mean and it's a great version it's sad but yeah i you know that he died so suddenly like it was literally like he did a show like when i talked about and then he was gone um one of the multiple people that we lost oh and it's actually it's, it's kind of cool that we're doing this i gotta put the post up this is today is actually this is May 17th. We're recording this. this is actually six years that I've been off of oxys. Oh wow, congratulations. Thank you very much. I was a fucking junkie, dude. I was a functioning wow. junkie. I mean, I sold my TV show on Oxycontin. Wow. Yeah, dude. I was fucking dialed in. Dialed in. Oh man. I was a good case for oxy now. I'm not gonna lie, dude. I I try to tell people, like people are like, God, it's so bad. I go, I I got new faces because of it. Like, <laughs> Like, I don't know how bad it was for me. I, the jam became the most popular show in Los Angeles. I be, I was a great com. I'm a great comic sober. Uh, and I, I am way better because now I'm as confident as I was when I took oxys, but it took time to get there. It just, oh, yeah, oxys made me, 
and dude, let me, I'll be completely honest. And I don't know what, you know, at Jeremiah, if you could actually look it up to find out what, what exactly killed him. Uh, we don't have to do it right away, but I'd like to know what killed him. What were his problems? Like if it was fentanyl, but like, was, did he have back pain? Cause he had a broken I, hip. Oh, he had a broken hip. He had a hairline fracture in his hip and they wanted to do surgery. Uh, before the tour, they were they told him like, "Oh, you, you're going to need to have surgery on this." And this was it was the 40th anniversary tour, but they had already pushed it because 2015 was they were supposed to have a mud the second mud crutch album was supposed to come out, and they were going to do a mud crutch tour. Uh-huh. But one of the guys in that band had health problems, so they pushed it a year. So that went for 2016, and then that pushed the 40th anniversary tour to 17. And he didn't want to push that again because then it'd be two years from the actual 40th anniversary. And he was like, it would feel dumb. So they scheduled the surgery for after the tour. And he did that whole tour with a crack in his hip. Oh, wow. He's not very like, I look, I never really, I've seen him. I've seen like videos of him live. Like uh, he's not much of a mover on stage, but I mean, you know, like how old was he when he passed away? Um, Sixty-seven. He was sixty. Yeah, I mean that's. So it's fentanyl. God, I hate it. it was fentanyl. Yeah, I remember it was fentanyl because it was him. It was it was uh, Prince died of fentanyl. Um, I don't know who the guy in the oh that's Tom Petty. The guy on the left is Lil Peep, who I never heard his music, but he was like big in that mumble rap thing. Yeah, fentanyl. Like, do you understand like how lucky I am that I got out? I got out in 2016. The last week I did opiates, I did heroin. I was in DC and my friend had had heroin. He got me Demetrius, who's now lo- no longer with us. Demetrius Linda Reed, yeah. a good friend of mine, who I tried to save, who's who's now dead. Um, got me uh, some perk thirties, and then he goes, "Hey man, you should do this though. This is like, this is like the shit we're getting here in DC." And it was, I think it, I think it was fentanyl, fentanyl slash heroin. It was like a mixture. It was like white. <clears throat> and I snorted it in the bathroom of the DC draft house. And then me, Adam Ray, Avery and Amir K went to Ben's chili bowl in DC where I then threw up and I felt, but I felt so good. And then that week was the last week I did opiates. And then I had my moment of clarity. I got off. And luckily, like I've, I've talked about before in the podcast, it's, it's like, it's stuck because that moment, like somebody said, I was at the comedy store and somebody goes, you know, you relapse. I was like, yeah. And he goes, when are you going to get sober? And I go, probably when I die. And then he goes, he goes, okay. Or you're going to be that 50 year old comic that's still hanging out here at the store that almost had a TV show. And then you looked over and you saw that guy. And oh, I was wow. like, I was like, holy shit, dude. Like that failure is scarier than death. We're all going to die. But being a failure and like see, and being that person that ruined like a gift or like their talent or they wasted that, that's scary. And, and that was it. Uh, yeah, and yeah. then, and then literally Jeff fentanyl took over like within, within a year, it was the fentanyl death started going up, uh, which I would have been, I would have been one of those. So, and I get well, it. Yeah, I did, dude. I, I did fentanyl too. And it was great. Um, so the idea, like, I, I get it. Like to be a rock star, to be in pain. I mean, yeah. you know, we, what we do to get through, do you ever, I mean, do you, do you like need, and this is a, you know, do you need like, so, cause I like, look, I smoke weed. I take mushrooms. I need both of them. Do you have a, do you have like a, like a crutch and I have crutch. That's such a bad way to put yeah, it. Yeah. No, I mean, no, you can say it like that. It's you have a crutch. Yeah, <laughs> do yeah. you have a crutch? What do you have? I mean, I'm back on, I'm, 
uh, I started drinking again. Yeah. Uh, I'd been quit for like six years and just, and the weed I started getting to, I just like something shifted during the pandemic where I started getting real paranoid and I like, and I smoked weed every day for years, all day. And I could do, I could do stand up. I could do, you know, I was doing these theater shows with Tom and I'd get as stoned as possible. And then, and then there's 2,800 people. Yeah. And I like looking back, I can't imagine, I, I can't believe I could do that and still like, and do well. Yeah. Like, but I, I can't do nothing. That's something that I've learned is that I can't be, I can't do nothing. Some, otherwise I'll never fall asleep. Yeah. No, I'm the same. I'm going to say it's hard to fall asleep sober. I'd rather just, I mean, age is one thing. It kind of like puts me out, but it's sometimes the day just takes the shit out of me anyway. But it's like at the end of the night, I smoke a little bit of weed. I lay on the couch with my dog and I am fucking out. And if I don't smoke pot, I'm up. And yeah. yeah. And I don't want to want to be. Well, I got look. a pen that I'll hit in bed, but that's yeah. like, I, I can't leave. I can't leave my room stoned anymore because <laughs> it also doesn't really like sometimes it's most of it is like it's most of it's COVID related. I, I can't stop thinking that I have it. Really? Yeah. It's just I mean, like, I, if you're just paranoid or whatever, like it always like, it feels like some of these drugs, like mushrooms and weed, they're like, they like op- open up the floodgates. Whatever you have that you're like holding back, that lets it out. Yeah. And I guess I just have a lot of generalized anxiety over the last few years that uh, when I get stoned, then that's what I feel a, lo- a lot of the time. And it's it's no fun anymore. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week, I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Do you ever look into meditation? Uh, I've, I look into it all the time. <laughs> I've never actually done it or, or done it with any like regularity. I've, I've done it probably a half dozen times. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, it's like, it's like working out and whatever. Like I just don't, I need to do, I need to get more, I need to get better at the willpower thing. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. And I mean this sincerely, and this is to everybody out there listening is I've been meditating 
every day for the last since 2000 and late 2017. And when I'm doing it, everything in my life is together. And then during that trip that I was out on the road for three weeks and I hadn't, I just, every morning I'd wake up and I'd have to go do something. I'd never had a moment. I might've meditated out of the three weeks I was on the road, maybe four times. And when I got back from LA where I saw you, I was like, you know, tired and worn out and, the, and I rested for a day. And then, and then I just, even though I took a week off, I was still freaking out about shit. I don't know what it was. And then I started meditating again and everything became, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It became easier to deal with. So I can't yeah. stress it enough. If, if you gotta do it, you gotta do it daily. And just start doing it. Start it, just go, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do 10 minutes every day for a month. And then when you get through that, then you go, all right, now I'm gonna do, cause I do 20 minutes a day. In the morning, 20 minutes and it works. And I'm telling you, and I mean this to everybody, do it, do it, do it. It will make your life better. It will make everything seem easier to manage, or at least you can at least be a lot calmer. And you seem like you're a lot like me. We freak out, pot makes me freak out. So that's why I do it at the end of the night. I don't drink anymore, but you know, it's dude, I'm telling you, you gotta have an arsenal of fucking, what's kept me sober over all this time is, is going to a spiritual guide, which I meet with once a week and meditation. Those two things, I don't go to 12 step programs. I don't do anything like that, but it works. All right, I'll do it. I'll, I'll give it a shot. Fuck yeah, dude. Let's, let's, <laughs> I mean, it's just 10 it. minutes. Let's just let's meditate together for the next half hour of this show. No. Yeah, I just closed my eyes? <laughs> no. We got to talk about Tom Petty or they're going to kill us. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's so, what we're doing. So what do, you, what do you love about him? Like, what is it that is that makes you this huge fan of Tom Petty? Like, why are you obsessed with him? Why is he your number one? Well, there's a lot of... Uh... Like I read, all right. So I didn't know this until like I'd already been a fan for twenty years, and then the then the book came out, the Warren Zanes book. Yeah. And when he was explaining his relationship with his with his uh, family and his father, I just couldn't help but see like, oh, it was very similar to that. So his like, he was able to channel his like anger and defiance into something, and that always. Uh, like I, I kind of have that attitude too. Like this album is a good example because while they were making this album, this was when he was suing the record company. Yes. There's a it, lot of interesting facts about this. So here, let's do, hold that thought. I, I want to do the little background on, on this record. So everybody should know Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers are formed in Gainesville, Florida in 76, but they weren't Petty's first band. Uh, the earlier bands were the Sundowners, the Epics, and the Mud Crunch. Uh, Mud Crunch released one single, then they moved to LA and called, called Deep, moving to LA called Depot Street in 75, but it fell flat, the group breaks up. Then, in Ga then he goes back to Gainesville, reforms, which includes Mike Campbell, which I've got very, a lot of interesting stories about Mike because I've jammed with him a few times on lead guitar. But yeah, dude. Uh, Benmont Trench on keyboards and uh, Ron Belier on bass and Stan Lynch on drums. Uh, the Heartbreakers were a group. Their self-titled release gained more traction in the UK than it did in the US, but Breakdown did become a top 40 hit here. American Girl was also on that album. Their second record, You Gotta Get It, was their first gold record with the singles I Need to Know, Listen to Her Heart. After the first two records, there was dispute with the record label, 
and that's going to I'm going to bring up in a second that was resolved. The band was able to focus on today's record, Damn the Torpedoes. Uh, Tom Petty went on to release 10 albums through 2014. Uh, he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2002, his first year of eligibility. We've mentioned it. He died in 2017 at the age of 66, one week after the end of the Heartbreakers 40th anniversary tour. Uh, hold on. We're always hearing the rock and roll. I don't want to be the future. I want to be present. All right. So right around the time of the recording of this album, I like this quote. Petty was quoted as saying, we're always hearing that we're the future of rock and roll. I don't want to be the future. I want to be the present. I like that. Oh, yeah. That's a good quote. That's a really good quote. So this is their third studio record. Recorded in 78 and 79 uh, at two legendary studios, Sound City and Van Nuys and Cherokee Studios in Hollywood. Uh, they had success in the first two releases that we mentioned, but this was their big breakthrough. It was their first top 10 album, rising to number two for seven weeks, kept from number one by, anybody want to guess? I know, I know the answer, so no. I'm not going to guess. <laughs> you want to know it, Jared? Yes. Guess. Don't look at the thing. I'm looking at it. I can't. All right. Then Pink Floyd's The Wall. <laughs> Pink Floyd's The Wall. Makes sense because that's that's like, you know, pot's big in that age and that's a big pot record. Tom Petty's response to being anchored at number two was, I love Pink Floyd, but I hated them that year. Yeah, dude, fuck <laughs> Pink Floyd. Fuck Roger Waters. David Peters yielded two songs that made the top 15 on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart and eventually went on to be certified triple platinum. Now... Going what you were saying, and let's talk about this. So, Petty's recording contract was assigned to MCA when his distributor ABC Records was sold to MCA in 79. Petty contended that his contract could not be assigned to another record company without his permission and was therefore voided. MCA responded by suing Petty for breach of contract, which prompted him to declare bankruptcy, nice, as a tactic to avoid the contract with MCA. The matter was settled with Petty signing a new recording contract with Backstreet Records, an MCA subsidiary. Did we nail it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's basically it. There was some. There was also some trouble with the publishing. He didn't understand publishing. And that that meant that they owned the words and they could they could just let someone do it. But yeah, that's basically it. There's fun there's fun stories about how they'd record and then the roadie would uh, take the tapes and drive them around L.A. So that when he would go, when you have to go talk to the lawyers, he'd be under oath. And he, this is the only way he could say he didn't know where they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's here. I have. I have it written a little bit more eloquently because it's underneath that. But that was yeah. perfect. So just so I'm just going off of what Jeff just said. Because of the hostilities between the band and the record label, while the album was being recorded, manager Elliot Roberts took the tapes and put them in a car. I love that. And put them in a car every night. He was like, dude, I'm fucking, I'm, he's like, I'm going to Pacoima. Then, then it was done to prevent the record label from trying to seize them. God, that's so dope. Things were so tense. Here you go. This is where I pick it up. Things were so tense between both sides that not even the production people knew about the tapes, whereabouts after each session. So they, that's, I, you know what? Cut everything I just said because you literally said it already. <laughs> that's hilarious. Just trying to keep it. Uh, I mean, he literally like he changed the way all of our our contracts have been written since. How so? Just by like, like they ha they like attribute that. Uh, that like now they make they I guess they just make sure that they understand the difference between publishing and mechanical. I mean, there's 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 a lot of that going on in uh, the comedy record industry right now. Yeah, where they're trying to 
some group is trying to get publishing as like there isn't any more money i don't under i don't really understand what's going on it's just a way to split up the existing money differently yeah and i don't think it's a good idea but uh they're always trying to screw comics though they're always yeah. trying to screw. They're always trying to screw the 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 art. All artists are get screwed. I mean, we dude, when we did the episode on TLC, remember TLC, uh, yeah. the album with waterfalls. Dude, yeah. they were so they they were broke when that they I, they had a they had like two number one singles in a row, and they and they all filed for bankruptcy because the record company like stole all of their money. That's so ridiculous. That's ridiculous. These companies, man, what the fuck. <laughs> And then I mean, they I, then they got mad. Then they get mad that when once once they figured out how to make music free, they got mad. <laughs> like yeah. you've been fucking everybody, and now you get fucked a little bit. Come on, I know you that's kind. Of, you know that's the kind of the thing with with Metallica. Like we made fun of Metallica in 1999 when they were fighting for the rights of their. Like no, we wrote this music. We should get paid for it. And we were like, but it's free. Like let us right, just yeah. make keep your art for free. And and we shit all over them and they were right. They were right. Well they were they were right, but they were also like they were coming from this like uh it was a slightly higher position of privilege than most other bands because they like the times of the label fucking them had passed. Yeah, you're right. They had more clout so that they were actually making money off their records. And so they went after the people. And then there's other bands like the Foo Fighters had three albums out by that point. And they were like, yeah. steal them, take all of them. Just listen to the songs and then come to the shows. Cause like for most bands going to the shows is the only way they make any money. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're hundred percent right. And dude, Metallica was sell at stadiums. Yeah. Yeah. They sell at stadiums this year. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I, dude, I, we, when I did outside lands, I saw them and they, they fucking, they rule like every DUI, every DUI I got, I was listening to Metallica, <laughs> all three of them. <laughs> That's amazing. The, the first one, the one Jeremiah, the one I got with Joel Aguilar, where I crashed my car, come leaving that party in Baltimore. And I crashed in Damascus. We was listening to master puppets and I was going way too oh. fast and I crashed into a ditch and within like, Literally five minutes, there were like 12 cop cars there because there was nothing to do, Jeff, in that part of town. Damascus, Maryland's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> like, like you couldn't sell booze in Damascus. So there was an accident. Every cop was there. And this is what was funny. Uh, while they were doing the sobriety test on me, the other 11 cops couldn't get the Metallica off the car stereo. Really? So, yeah. So I'm like doing the sobriety <laughs> thing and you're just like, you know, it's like, give me fuel, give me fire, give me that one. I'm like, did it help? I think no, the music I got, would help. No, I not, not, not getting out of the DUI, but doing those, <laughs> doing the, the test, this field sobriety test. I feel like having the music would help me stay, like, keep, give me a good rhythm. It definitely made being put in handcuffs uh, feel much more emotional when Unforgiven was playing. Like, do, 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 do. what I said, what I know, slam. Never shot me what I showed. I mean, you want a soundtrack when something's happening. You just, yeah. if there's no music, then it feels very anticlimactic. If there is music, you can make pretend it's a movie. For sure, for sure. Is it, is this record? Does this record like "Damn the Torpedoes"? Is this a soundtrack to any part in your life? Is it fifteen? No, I mean, uh, I see, let's see. I was probably eighteen, nineteen when I was listening to it the most often, and because I was like, I had the least amount of 
Tom Petty records at that point. And so yeah. they like the ones I did have were just in heavier rotation. Yeah. And so it just like, it's one of those, like I'll, I would like to put it on and roll the windows down and it, it always has kind of made me want to smoke cigarettes. So even when I didn't like, when I didn't smoke, I didn't listen to it that much. Cause it would, it's like black, it's like drinking black coffee or, uh, you know, just, I guess those are the two things. Yeah. <laughs> you just want to have, you roll the windows down, smoke cigarettes, drive around and listen to, listen to I have my Oldsmobile, I had an Oldsmobile Delta 88, uh great big Grand Royale, just fucking five tons. <laughs> God, I miss, I miss big cars, dude. Oh man, I look them up all the time. You can still you can still get like pretty good condition, like f- four grand if they're in good condition. You can yeah. get undrivable ones for five hundred bucks, but you can get drivable ones for about four grand. Really? But they do not get. I mean, this was. I mean, back in the nineties, it would take twenty five dollars to fill the tank, which meant it's a twenty five gallon tank. Yeah. Oh my god. And that was like. That was like a. That affected my budget. I think it got like eight miles a gallon or something. Like I would, it would be fucking bankrupt. Now, so now, so now twenty-five gallons. I mean, I, I that's the thing. That I feel so lucky to be in New York and not in Los Angeles. Is that like I have? I don't buy gas. I don't. Everybody's talking about how fucking heavy it is, and I'm like, oh yeah, I just walked. 15 blocks to the comedy cellar. Like it's my whole life is all the clubs are within a, a you know, literally the longest walk is 30 minutes. And I do it all the time because it's the summer, even during the winter, I did it. It's like, I, really? I love not driving. I love not driving. And I, I, mean, I love car. not driving also, but where, where are you? Are you LA? I still, my apartment is in Cincinnati, but I haven't been there in a couple months and I won't be there for a couple months. Yeah. So I, mean, I don't the, know. The tour looks so much fun. You know? it's, um, it's unbelievable where we just have two days off right now. So that's why I'm in the YMH studio. Oh, nice. Uh, Christina tomorrow. Christina canceled on us. She was supposed to do, um, she's done the Smiths, Pixies. but she was supposed to do the Pixies and she gave us more than enough time. And we were, we were really lucky that Dave Rath uh, helped us get Pat Oswald and it was a great episode and, and she'll come back again and do the Smiths or do, another record because she's already done it we love her but it's like dude it's like tom did fucking right after the accident he did uh wu-tang yeah yeah laying in bed like literally laying in bed fucking this is the night after he did the live stream with burton he goes he goes josh he's like we made so much money <laughs> on new year's <laughs> i'm like i mean now we made like whatever he goes no 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 so much so the, much the guy I, I can and i know and sickler's one of my best friends so i i know what like you're fucking eating lobster every meal yeah right? yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's nice yeah you're not struggling do um do you like i mean do you so so you, uh, back to what you said about the 18 we got to talk about this record we gotta we gotta focus on this or the fans are gonna get mad at me what kind of lunatic is like this thing i get for free isn't exactly what i wanted it to be this time you know what it is? And and this is what Morty said as Morty quit the show, who Morty has been super helpful again. I call him and we talk about the records. He he was our writer for years and he was a co-host for a short period of time. As he was leaving the show, he goes, Josh, I'm just letting you know, man, it's like music hits differently with people. It's not movies. It's not painting. It's not a book. He's like, they these songs, they associate with important parts of their life, whether it's the first kiss of a girl, the 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 death of a, of a family member 
you know, like you said, dude, it's like, think about this. And this is why you love Tom Petty is because you had nothing before that. And then your life, you literally can break your life up between before Petty, after Petty, because you yeah. became yeah, yeah. who you are. The, the way you dress, everything is, and the, the being, the comedy that I've seen you do, it's like that's that's formulated through that music. For me, 100%, Guns N' Roses. My life was never the same after I heard Guns N' Roses in 87. And so people take it a little bit harder. They take it like if you critique, dude, I made the first time I experienced it, Jeff, we did uh, MGMT, uh, Oracular Spectacular, just a bullshit throwaway record from like 2002 or 10 or whatever the <laughs> fuck it came out. And I remember I somehow ended up on a Reddit page for MGMT that somebody filled me in with where they were shitting on me and Gareth Reynolds for critiquing the record the way that we did, which we ultimately liked it. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! 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 The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. I mean, it's it's also you can almost tell how old a person is too, because before, like before, I was in my forties, or you know maybe maybe pre thirty five or whatever, I could still get real. Like if like if uh, if I heard somebody on a podcast talking shit about Tom Petty, it would bother me. Uh, but now it's just like okay. Whatever you want, man. Like I, I don't, I don't have the energy to hate anything anymore, and not in like an altruistic way or whatever. Like there are things I still hate, but it's not the Eagles anymore. I used to hate the Eagles. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Anymore, if you were like, "Oh, the Eagles are my favorite band," I'd be like, "Cool, you have a favorite band. That's awesome." I wish, I wish I liked the Eagles more. I wish I liked Nickelback more. How much, how much easier would your life be if you could just turn on the radio every day and be like, oh, oh, cool, some songs? Yeah. And some people are like that. Yeah. There are some people that just put on the radio and they go, oh, well, this is what I'm listening to. I'll let them decide for me because it's all yeah. background music. The people like I envy us, those people. Yeah, so do I. They and pulled I, their window too far. Like you hear things that are too good. And it like it just moves what you can what you can handle or whatever, and then there are people who are just like I oh, just like the sound you know the sounds I like songs you know commercials are okay sometimes it's commercials but songs are better, but the radio plays both. Those people are heroes. Yeah, yeah, dude, they really are. They, you know what? <laughs> God bless them, and they but they're not my fans. Oh no, they're not my fans. Fans no. of this podcast that are tuning in right now. I've been waiting for this record for months. Four months. Um, it's, I mean, and it's it's one of the best. It's nine songs. Yeah, Refugee. Re the way Refugee starts is so fucking killer. Yeah, it really is, dude. What a good like like here. Let's let's go through some some song facts because I really can't put down any song that's on this record. I, I really think it's a perfectly. Uh, uh, every song is placed perfectly. The what do you call that? The um, Order? God damn it, Barry. Not the order. There's uh, the sequencing on this record. Yeah, Thank the sequencing, you. yeah. The sequencing on this record 
uh, is incredible. Let's let's. I got to give the shout out to the producer. Let me just look at uh, the facts of some of this. Is it here? There it is. So this record's produced. I don't know if we already mentioned it by oh, Jimmy Ivine. Is that how you say his name? I think it's just Ivine, but Jimmy Ivine. Uh, see, fuck, dude. I mean, how would you say it's spelled? The way you said it is how I said it for twenty years, and then I, then there was like. I, I saw him in a documentary or whatever, and then I heard his name said out loud. You're right. Jimmy Iovine, very, this guy is, you know, one of the, I mean, billionaire with, with uh, Dr. Dre, and it's produced you by know, Tom Buddy. Like, you want to know an Iovine fact about this album? And it combines both those things you just said. What? When he was, uh, when they were calibrating Beats headphones, he calibrated it to this record. Did he really? Yeah, yeah. He said of all the, of all the records he ever heard, this one had the best sound. So he he calibrated. I mean, it's a little self serving because he produced it also, but he calibrated Beats headphones to this. So if you have Beats, listen to this album on that, and there's like no better way to listen to the album. Done, done. I, I'm a Bose guy, but you know, big ups sure. to the Beats people. Uh, dude, <laughs> noise noise canceling Bose. I mean, airplane incredible all right so the so the singles from this record which we mentioned it the first one to come out was don't don't do me like that which is i mean it's still played on classic rock and regular rock stations refugee uh came out a few months later uh i mean another credible song it's like i said it's another song you hear on classic rock here comes my girl and even the losers i mean those are great fucking songs man like really solid songs um, this is my question. Is Tom Petty yacht rock? No, not enough. Uh, not enough saxophone. <laughs> okay. No, you're right. It's gotta be a little more saxophone and it's a little, uh, it has a little more of, it's a, it's a little, uh, grittier or whatever than, than most would be like boss gags or whatever. That's a little cleaner sound. Sure. And Petty only had the only time that his sound got was like very clean was uh, the two records he made with Jeff Lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, Full Moon Fever is actually you know that's what that one sounds fine. Into the Great Wide Open sounds a little yacht rocky, but that's Jeff Lynn, not Tom Petty. <laughs> would you call this record? Would you call call this record an LA record? Would you call this like you know? Because it's like, so at least some of the characters, it seems to have a pretty rosy view. I mean, they they talk about like like Century City in it. Like, do yeah, you think yeah. this is? Do you think this is a, a Los Angeles like focused centric record? Yeah, it does. Uh, I mean, Century City really leans towards it. It's that's where the lawyers were. So you're just going to see the lawyers. He was driving to Century City every day and eventually yeah. wrote that song. <laughs> it does feel a little. Well, Don't Do Me Like That also has like a sunny day feel to it, but it's an old song. It was a Mud Crutch song yeah. that they did as a warm-up one day, and the IVM was like, oh, we should put that on the record. But it's, I mean, it's Louisiana Rain feels like Southern. That song, You uh, you Tell Me, feels like a Memphis song. It just, it feels like, it's, okay, here's what it, this might be it. Okay. It's it's an LA record made by people who are not from LA. Like none of them are from LA. They all moved there from somewhere else. Iveen's not from LA. The whole band is from Florida. And they hadn't really they'd only been in LA for they moved so they moved to LA in like seventy four. 
but then the three years previous to this, they were just on the road. Yeah. So it does have that. Uh, it's a little bit like li- like the life's tough part of LA, not the Laurel Canyon. Yeah, scene. it's not. It's not like, Eagles. It's yeah, not it's Eagles. not the Eagles. It's not Jackson Brown. It's not Crosby, Stills, and Nash. It's none of that. But it is. It definitely is. So I guess maybe like the Valley, like maybe like maybe it is like a Valley record. No, I, I no, I don't think this is this isn't a Hollywood record no. for sure. This is definitely a Valley. Like you know, yes, if you're driving into Century City and they're recording this in Van Nuys. And I don't know what Van Nuys is like in 1978, 78, 79, but you know, there's a, there's a different, a different vibe that the Valley, you know, and especially when it comes to, I mean, if you're going to be writing the record in California, you know, it's different than writing it in Florida where there's rain and yet there's humidity and, or even writing something like in England or like Seattle, it's like, it's like when you listen to Band on the Run and you find out that they wrote it in Africa, you're like, all right, I can see that. You oh, know what okay. I mean? It's, it's yeah, there's like, there's things about it. I don't know if I would call this an LA record, but I would say that it definitely probably influenced the sound 100% and the vibe of it for sure. Um, do you think Don't Do Me Like That represents the greatest use of organ in rock history? Oh, that's tough. Now, so now I have to think about all the other songs. Organ the songs, yeah. What are the big organ songs, Jeremiah? Look that up while he thinks. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. May, uh, I mean, it definitely is a good like pop uh, piano song. Like, and there wasn't, uh, but like a full band. I don't. I don't know if it would be the best use of organ. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if it's the best use of their organ. You know, like their organist, their their piano player. Like, there's there's better stuff like that but that is like as far as uh <laughs> so you did just find a list that's why <laughs> light my fire yeah light my fire i don't know what 96 tears is uh, i don't know what car and evil nine is uh, house that... of the rising sun you keep me hanging on by vanilla fudge okay yeah that's a great song your time is gonna come by zeppelin uh chest fever by the band oh yeah that's that one's got some that one's good oh the spencer davis group yeah okay give me some loving is that the one just give me some loving give me some some loving yeah yeah Yeah, that's a good one hush and coming in at number one okay hush might be it a wider shade of pale it's not even the top 10 and this is is yeah quarterly this is a reputable news source uh, i might have to go with hush hush is really good (laughs) All right, good. We, I feel like we got to the bottom of that. Um, this, so let's talk about. We talked about sequencing. This album has such a good flow. Does it feel like it's just one long song to you? It does, especially when they have that. The there's a couple of like interstitial like noise things that just drag one song into the other right away. Like, man, when it was when I was listening to back when it was just cassettes. When I just had cassettes, it was like. It was such a good, it's just straight through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't, it never, uh, it never mattered to me where it was. Whenever I'd start the car, it didn't matter because it would just, I just let it go the whole way. It does have a real, uh, it does feel coherent. And that's, that's probably uh, Jimmy Iovine related yeah. a little bit. He's, he's I mean, really good at that. The same way that Born to Run has a flow to it that it just feels like one 
piece of work where yes you have yeah. movements in it i I, th- I agree with that about this i think it's i think it had lots to do with the production i also feel like i think you're he's writing it all here in los angeles except for don't do me like that which you said was uh, a song that they had written in the in mud crunch yeah mud crunch did it it was like from the earlier 70s but it yeah, fit but- like as soon as he heard it he was like oh this has to go on the record and he's right i mean yeah yeah this is without that song this is this record is not the same um, it's certainly not. It's certainly not triple platinum. Like as good as all the other songs are, that song, that song was probably like 1979, 1980s version of uh, like Better Man or whatever, where it's just whatever your radio station plays, you'll play this song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so if we really had to like say what you appreciate most about the Tom Petty and the Heartbreaker sound, what would it what would it be? Do you have a do you have one word that you can think of? Well, the the one word that I that I associate most with him is defiance. Like he's so defiant in his songwriting and his point of view, and just the general attitude towards everything. I mean, the fact that the fact that they're making the album that is their was their at the time their biggest hit. Uh, that they were they were like you know they were doing like five hundred seaters or whatever three hundred seaters, and not filling them for those when those first two records were out and the fact that that's what their career was and he was still like well i'll just fucking quit i'll go home i don't need like you can't push me around yeah and i've always kind of liked i mean in my in my case it's probably gotten it's been more probably more detrimental (laughs) (laughs) but uh in his case i do like i do have a lot of uh respect for that he's never been None of his songs have ever been in commercials, like that kind of no. thing. Like he just doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do. He has his own sound. He yeah. for sure has his own sound. So this is one of our That's Patreon. Good too. What that is, he has his own sound. Yeah, like but- when you think about like the so like when "Don't Come Around Here No More" came out, that song didn't sound like any other song they'd ever made. But it also didn't sound like it could be any other band. No, it's petty. It's you know it. His voice is so authentic. It's so. Tom Petty, the second you hear him sing throughout his entire career, you know, I mean, you can just hear like one word of it and you're like, oh, it's a Tom Petty song. Yeah, there's yeah. a vibe. It has a feeling. <laughs> yeah. It has a voice. It's everything. Um, and that goes with one of our Patreon questions by Eric Fletcher. So in the vein of Damn the Torpedoes, what was the best experience you had that began with saying, fuck it, I'm doing this without thinking of consequences? Wow. <laughs> good patreon question eric yeah yeah that's uh i mean that's hard to do will you go first and let me hear yours <sighs> i know it's such a i have to go through my whole life i and- mean i mean if we're talking about in my career it it has to be the it has to be the jam because you know the I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of consequences. It was like, I, I I was in such a place, I've talked about this before in the podcast, but I was in such a place in my life and in my career where I was like, I don't know what to do. I just want to do something that'll be fun. And I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I never thought it was going to get as big as it became. I never had any idea like how quickly it was going to move, but it was literally just like, no, I, this is, like I have to do this. I don't give a fuck about anything. If it fails, it fails, but at least I did it. And then immediately it just became like 
you know, it's changed my life still, you know, eight years later, it's like, it's still my number one source of my income every year. Well then that's, that's much better than mine. I think mine is in general, it just the idea that I never, I never moved. Everyone always told me to move. And then I did, I did a couple times, but I never, I didn't want to. And so when I finally was like, nah, I'm not gonna, I never thought about the consequences and that there probably were some, but I don't care. I don't know. I guess this is going to be dumb, but uh, cocaine is that, can that be the answer? <laughs> I mean, I remember the first time I did that, I was like, ah, fuck it. Like I'd always been scared of it because of limb bias. And then the first time I saw some and was offered it, I was like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. I mean, that's every drug. It's always like, oh, you're cool. All right. If you're yeah. doing it, I'll do it. I mean, I can die from this. Ah, fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. I'm 19. I've done enough. I've lived enough. <laughs> Whatever it was. <laughs> like, Very acceptable answer, and I'll take it. Eric, thank you for the question. <laughs> I wish I had a better answer. I'll probably now, think of it. Uh, so I'll be honest. My brain uh, ne never fully rebooted after I had uh, COVID, so it's hard to remember a lot of stuff now. <laughs> you have brain fog still? Yeah, it's been like a year. Fuck. And uh, I would like... A couple of days ago, I, I like riffed on stage and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I was able to do that again. Like I hadn't done it in a, in a, well, the, the year prior to getting it, there wasn't any stages to do it sure. in the year since then. So maybe a little bit of it is like out of practice, but also I just don't think it works the same. I can't think as good. I'll think of five good answers for this in the next one day and I'll text, yeah. I'll text them to you, but that's, it'll be too late. <laughs> Mm, we can add it in. You can just record a voice note on your phone and send it to Jeremiah. <laughs> okay. All right. Another Patreon question. This is from Jeremy Brinling. Uh, for me personally, Tom Petty has been my go-to answer of the artists I regret not seeing while they were still with us. Uh, Jeff, who is the artist you never saw live, but wish you did? Uh, the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Like I didn't get it. I didn't get to see them. Uh, I bought a, t I, I scrounged together whatever the 75 bucks was to, for that Lollapalooza when I was 16. Mm -hmm. uh, but I got found out, like somehow my parents found out that whatever it was I was saying I was going to do, I wasn't going to do. And I was going to this and I, they, I wasn't like, I got caught and wasn't able to go. And then I figured, oh, well, I'll be out of this house someday and I'll go yeah. see the Beastie Boys. And it just never really happened. It wasn't really that much options. We, I, Jared, I think we're, were you there with me at Tibetan Freedom Concert? Uh, yeah, in uh, HF Festival or no? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. With the lightning strike. Yeah. And they had to stop the performance. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so we kind of saw them, but didn't. Uh, the band, and I've said it a million times, and I mean this. This is, it sounds like a ridiculous answer. The person that I regret not seeing, Neil Diamond. Oh, yeah. Did he I, die? He didn't die, but he got Parkinson's. Oh, yeah. So, he's, so he's not performing. And there was a show, a famous album of his that I love. I love. It's called Hot August Nights. And he did it yeah. in the Greek theater. 40 some odd years ago. And then um, he did a 20 anniversary. He did a 30 anniversary and he did a 40 anniversary. And that 40, I didn't even know it was happening and I missed it. And then I was, when I started going to shows, when I started making money really in 2016, 
I was like, all right, well now I want to go. And I missed it because he's retired. I think he retired in, in 18, but I think that's when it was. And I just wasn't paying attention. And 18 yeah. was the time I was like, man, so fuck, dude. I, I would like I to have seen Neil Diamond too. Oh God. All those. I, that's why I go see Billy Joel every month. I yeah. go to MS, I dude. I went on Saturday for a half hour. I just, really? I bought a $40 ticket because I wanted to keep the streak alive because that was my fourth month in a row. Oh, Jerry, you know what I went to uh, last night? Not last night, it's Sunday night. I went to go see Deftones at Pier 17. What? Do you remember when we almost died at the Deftones show? Yeah. So we, go to a, <laughs> we went to a Deftones show, Jeff, at 930 Club, which I'm doing July, uh, June 27th. I want to see everybody there in Washington, D.C. doing a jam. Um, and I'm headlining the DC improv the 24th and 25th. It's a big weekend. So all the DC police army people, I want you guys to come out. But Jared and I went to go see when he worked for DC 101, he got us free tickets to Deftones. I remember you hit me up that day. You want to go? I was like, fuck yeah, dude. It's fucking Deftones. Fucking Deftones. I'm Philly. <laughs> fucking Deftones. And we, and we, we went there and it, remember how packed it was. So and jam. you and I, I was like holding onto your arm because it, dude, Jeff, it was so packed in the fucking in the club that if one person moved, everybody moved. It was just, it was like a, it was like an ocean. It was like with waves. And at one point, too many people, (laughs) too many people, way too many people. And Jer, Jer, I was holding on to Jer. And then you got like sucked into another group of people. And I remember it was like, it was like a scene out of a movie. I was like, no, no, no. And you're just like, and just got taken washed away and then what was crazier was dude there were so many people in there it was so packed and i'm five nine so i'm shorter than a lot of the guys that i was around in the circle and they were all breathing so hard like because <sighs> we all are just packed in sweating <laughs> they were stealing all the oxygen so i couldn't breathe i was i literally would i had to like fight to like get up on people's shoulders to breathe it was it was the scariest concert experience i've ever had oh this God. one sunday night way different that sounds that sounds like a nightmare. It was a nightmare. Great I show. Saw, I saw Billy Joel last last fall. Uh, ever like since since Petty passed away, and I heard enough of those people who were like, oh, I like I wished I would have seen him. I regret. Yeah, not seeing him. That since then I've just been on a run of like, anytime I can see anybody that I haven't seen that yeah. I even kind of like, I go, and so like I went and saw Journey and Toto like a month ago at the Bomb. Forum. Or the Staples um, Center, um, and it was fine. It was fine. I mean, it's also, also, I've learned this. Like now that now that like I can afford to do this, and it doesn't have to be such a big deal. Going to see bands like that is all. It's, it's, it's just as fun as going to see a band I love, but for different reasons. It's yeah. so much more fun to have no pressure to see everything. Like. I I don't you know like if you it's like seeing a movie a second time and you're like oh I don't if I have to if I got to pee I'll just go pee like Journey I don't give a shit what song they're playing like I just wanted to see Journey some and yeah. if I gotta go if I gotta go piss or I want to go look at merch or I need another drink I'll just leave whatever it is there's no like oh I there's no favorite song yeah yeah well you, you know you gotta hear Don't Stop Believing you have to be there yeah. for Don't Stop Believing that's it they played it third the fucking balls on these guys oh. to play it third was. <laughs> that's incredible that's like awesome. what did they end with then lights maybe i don't yeah. remember like but it's it's one of those like so i saw paul mccartney a long time ago and they did uh live and let live and let die and there's like fireworks shooting across the stage and we're two and a half hours into the show and my brother and i were like well this is this has to be it but it wasn't 
They yeah. played for another 45 minutes because he's Paul McCartney and he has songs for days. And it's, you forget, like, they played Don't Stop Believing and you're like, I guess, and nobody left. Everybody, because, like, you see Tom, I saw Tom Petty so many times that uh, there's always those people that are like, oh, as soon as they play Free Fall and someone's leaving. Yeah. And it's a bummer, but also I hope that, I hope they're right next to me so that I have more room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're just wasting time. I saw, we saw them in Nashville once, this lady by, it was her birthday. And after every song, she would just scream for Free Fallen. And we're not where he can hear us. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, I mean, if you just telephoned it, like the Twilight Bark or whatever, it would still take like, eight more people to get it to the stage. Yeah. And I try every time she'd scream it, I try to, I'd, I'd be like, listen, he's going to do it. Like you don't have to scream this. Yeah. Like he's going to do it and he's going to do it late. So just stop screaming in my goddamn ear <laughs> every time. And she either didn't believe me or was just. Can't stop. Won't stupid. stop. Yeah. Can't, can't stop, stop. Won't stop. stop. <laughs> can't stop. Won't stop, dude. They're, they're at every show. That person's at every show, Uh, you know, it's I've gone to a lot of a lot of like new metal shows with Big J Okerson and I mean it's you know Deftones fucking Slipknot it's there's always we're always lumped around these fans that are just like you know just the Deftones show there was this dude that was like 50 55 years old and he had no neck he was built like <laughs> he was built like one of those like he-man characters that's kind of like like a stop sign shape <laughs> yeah. and he was just going up to people like this is the fucking best this is the best they're gonna play they're gonna play fucking they're gonna play digital bath yeah and he was just so intense <laughs> and, you're, and you just watch them I, I i get more fun at concerts watching the people that i'm around than the people that that are on stage especially billy joel i've seen him so many times now and i take mushrooms when i go to him so it's like you know it's great i don't you can't ever have a bad trip because every other song is fucking like once you start going to the dark side, I'll be like, "Oh shit, I took too much mushrooms." The next song is like, "Whoa, oh, yeah, oh, the longest for the long." You're like, "I can't Time. fucking flip out to this." <laughs> um, all right, here I want to tell you this before we get you out of here. So I, I mentioned that I met and jammed with Mike Campbell. I had no idea who he was the entire time until after the fact. So I'm good friends with Toll Wilkenfeld. Uh, and in like 2018, we became buddies and uh, we went to NAM, which is that uh, huge uh, music industry trade show in Irvine, California. And, oh, yeah. and we went to this jam. Well, before that, I should say she had a party at her house and uh, Mike, that was where I jammed with them. It was like him. Uh, who else was there? Uh, Jackson Brown. Um, the fucking more people, Sean Lennon, Rosario Dawson, just a bunch of like assorted famous people. I, and there's this dude wearing like this bucket hat and has really yeah. like, has knotty hair and he's taller. And, and there was a, it was funny cause this is, this is, um, Tom's dead at this point. There was a sadness to him. He wasn't like, you know, this outgoing guy. He was very shy and very reserved. He spoke very quietly and, and we jammed and, you know, we, she has a studio in her backyard and like, we, we fucking played for an hour. I sang with them. I did like Helter Skelter. Uh, I did a couple of, uh, mostly like Beatles stuff. 
Um, and then we went to Nam, and and I knew who he was then, but then it was like you saw like how fucking worshipped he was, and uh, there was a party afterwards at this like school uh, to raise money for like you know cancer or music or whatever it was, and Mike played with Alice Cooper on vocals, uh, Stephen Stills, uh, Matt Sorum, uh, who's done the podcast as on drums. Johnny Depp on guitar. And this is like, this is like, you know, way before the Amber Heard thing, but dude, it was like, and that was who I was most starstruck about was Johnny Depp. Of course. Sure. Uh, Dude, he smelled exactly the way you would think Johnny (laughs) Depp smells. Now I've never been able to determine whether or not that, because I look at him and I, I would believe that he's, that no one has ever smelled better or worse, but, not nowhere in between those. It's a mixture of good. <laughs> okay, so you're you're right. He does smell exactly how I think. It's combo best and worst ever. I mean, it was like, oh god, what smells so? Uh? It was like that smells so delicious. <laughs> like, and he walked by, and he goes up to Tall, and he's like, Tall, good to see you. And she's like, and and, and I, he's like, hey, it's my friend Josh. And she's like, nice to meet you. And then he walks by, and he's like, I t- he, he could feel his bracelets, and his hands were like, you know, like he'd been building shit, you know, callousy and like really like, you know, cigarette stains on him, like because he smokes those fucking like real you know, the, those John Quincy Adams cigarettes, you know, that, like, <laughs> that, like the Federalists smoked. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it was everything that you, I was like, it, it lived up to everything, every single thing. And then I've jammed with Mike again at another party at her house. And, but that was cool because by that time he had, he got to meet, he knew my name and I knew who he was. And I knew like, you know, cause like Tolly even told me, she was like, or her somebody else told me, she's like, dude, that's, that's like, you know, the guitar from American girl. Like that's yeah. every, that's everything like from Tom. And it just sucks because like, and this is what I'm saying about it. This is why I love doing this podcast is because now I'm a Tom Petty fan. I am a hundred percent a Tom Petty fan. As soon as I'm done with this episode, as I get ready uh, to go to bonfire today, I will listen to Tom Petty on Amazon. It's going to be in my rotation. And now I want to learn more about him because of this. And it's, it's like I said, it's one of those things that sucks that he's gone, but what is great is we do have this catalog of music that he put together that is just incredible. And it really does cover decades, you know? Yeah. So much. Uh, I saw Mike's band at the Viper room. And you know, like that corner where the bathrooms are. Yeah. At the Viper room. That's also like the green room is right there, but it's yeah. one of those like rolly doors. That's like, it's in the, it's a pocket door. That's what it's called a pocket door. Yeah. So I didn't know, like, I just found, I went, I had to go by myself. I couldn't get I couldn't get anybody else to go see the dirty. Like just ask if you want to see the dirty knobs and everyone's like, Oh, what? No. And so I'm just standing in the corner by myself. There's like a rustling and, and around the corner suddenly, He's standing right next to me and he's, he goes, he goes, what's up, man? And I didn't say anything. (laughs) I just, I was frozen. I wasn't expecting to see him. I did not think he would be right there. And well, I mean, what am I going to say? Like, I think I might've nodded. And then later his wife was, his wife came out and was like, I was dressed all in black. And she was like, this drunk girl keeps trying to get in the green room. Can you make her leave? 
and she just thought I worked there, so I did. Yeah, dude. I, I made that girl leave. Bounced. <laughs> yeah, like, all right, let's go, lady. <laughs> she thought I worked there too, and then I walked to the front door. And then I told the guy at the door, I was like, she keeps bothering the band. And he was like, okay, I'll keep her out. And then let me back in. So everyone thought I worked there. Even another guy that worked there thought, like, he was never like, why are, why are you doing this? He was just like, okay, I got you. And I was like, all right. You could be, I could see you working at the 930 Club. Like, I could see you working at the Viper Room. It's not like it's it's not like it's Jeremiah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like fucking, fucking a, a CPA look. You got fucking rock star kicking out people look. I do, I do, and I have the bulk of a guy who can work the door for sure. You have door bulk. You have door bulk. You have door bulk. All right, I gotta ask this. I have to ask this, and and this is one of the final question. How often are you mistaken for Jeff Tate of Queensrÿche? Uh, online, I would say every day. <laughs> I got a. I just got an, an Instagram message yesterday from some guy who was like, are you the lad from Queensryche? And it's 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 in my bio. Like, it says I'm not the guy from Queensryche, so stop it. <laughs> it happens all the time. There was a venue down the street from my apartment in Cincinnati that where he was playing, yeah. and they were tagging me in it. Uh, people in my neighborhood were like, oh, you're doing the Ludlow Garage? I'm like, no, it's not me. I don't – it's for sure not me. <laughs> I would tell you. It happens all the fucking time. It drives me crazy. I've met him. Have you? Wait, wait please how, explain that whole thing. The first, well, the first time I talked to him, uh, the, both of these were radio related. Bert, uh, Bert was on the air in Tampa with uh, that guy Cowhead, I guess. I think yeah. that's his name. And they were talking to, like, he, the Queensryche guy I called in. And they were talking to him and Bert's like, oh, I know a guy with that name. Uh, let's see what he says. So they called me and the guy was like, oh, this is what it made up some name from Rockline. Yeah. And they were like, uh, so what do you think of the band breaking up or whatever? And I just lied about I just I've I've like <laughs> I used to be like, no, it's not me. But now I'll agree. Like I'll do. I did an interview. There's a metal show on Long Island, uh, like a public radio station. I yeah. talked to that guy for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> pretending to be him i had his wikipedia page up and i would just lie i just lie and uh then they had then he was he came in to do a radio uh station in cincinnati for a show that night so they they called me and they're like will you come in and, and do this with him and uh and i did and then when it was over and they left everybody on the radio was like that was the only time that guy wasn't a fucking asshole. Like he's usually like a dick, but he can't be like, he can't be as cocky or whatever as he or arrogant as he wants to be because he knows that he's seen my headshots at his gigs. Like he knows. That. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh. so I think it's fun. I think it's fun that he definitely knows about me. And I mean that's all I care about. It's incredible. It's incredible. Did it make you hear silent lucidity in a different way? <laughs> I mean, I never heard it before. I remember I was 10 years old and somebody in the fifth grade told me about, oh, there's a guy in a band with your name. And I was like, oh, fun. But I never, it was a fifth grade. It was, it was years before I heard those songs. Let me tell you something, Jeff, you're aging way better than Jeff Tate from Queensryche. He is looking rough, dude. Well, that's rough. what happens when you try not to. Like when you spend all that effort trying not to 
get older, you look ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. There's not, listen, <laughs> not, no judgment to anybody. Even Jeff Tate, your voice still probably sounds incredible. Man, you look rough. I have a very similar thing where uh, the reason I'm Josh Adam Myers is because there's another comic named Josh Myers, who is Seth Myers' brother. Bobby Lee was the one that told me to change my name very early on. And much like you, anytime he doesn't, he's not big on social media. I get tagged in all of his shit. So, all right, let's, let's wrap this up. Let's get you out of here. We ask every guest these questions. Uh, so we're not changing it now. Uh, favorite song on the record. On the record, even the losers, even the losers. I am. Let me look at mine. I'm going to do mine with you. I am going to say, I am going to say, fuck man. Don't do me like that. I, I just, I'll tell you guys why off air because I can't say it on air, uh, <laughs> but we'll stop recording. Why I think it's my favorite, but it's it's great. Um, all right, least favorite song on the record. Uh, like, what do you skip over? I'm not. I don't. I don't skip over any of them, but I will say not to not to start a fight. But if I was going to, it would be "Don't Do Me Like That." Really? But only, but only because only because uh, I've heard that more than any of the other songs on the record because that's the one that's on the radio all the time. So when I was listening to the radio and they'd be like, Tom, after this, Tom Petty or whatever, it would all, it would 90% of the time it was don't do me like that. I would so say, just, you know, I get it. I get it. No, that makes perfect sense. That's a great answer. Cause it's hard to say what your least favorite record is off of a, off an album that you love. Yeah. I always say, what do you skip over? And it's like, you don't need to hear don't do me like that again. You, you know yeah. it. Maybe sometimes you're in the mood for it, but other times yeah. I would say I skip I, the last, the, the second half of this record, I was starting to get, I wouldn't say it was bad at all, but it was like, I just think that like this, it's very heavy loaded up front unless you get to don't do me like that. And you tell me it's great, but I would say either Louisiana rain or what are you doing in my life? They're not bad songs. I'm just saying I, I was by the point of the end of the record, I was like, Oh, it's, it's over. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, yeah, I, maybe what are you doing in my life is the one that feels, uh, it's the one that feels most like just a song. Yeah. It's the most like, well, we can't make it be only eight tracks. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's the one that probably could have been left yes. off. I agree. I agree. I'm, yeah. I'm going with you. All right. What song on this record would you fuck to? Oh, well, that's for sure not Don't Do Me Like That. That that <laughs> one's a little too fast. <laughs> Maybe, uh, oh, I don't know, man. Here Comes My Girl has got a good, nice groove. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. But I, 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 think, I think Here Comes My Girl, but I could also fuck to Refugee. You sure? Yeah. Right, and those are back-to-back, -back, so you just let them go. Yeah, I, I, I but I... I think you, I think I start with refugee and then you know, we're having that's like foreplay and then we're having full blown intercourse during here comes my girl. And if I can time it perfectly where she comes, because that's only seven, seven minutes and 49 seconds. So I think I can make a woman have an orgasm in seven minutes and 49 seconds. <laughs> this is a new, this is a new challenge. It's a new challenge. Dude, this was great. This was so much fun, Jeff. Thank you for doing it, man. Uh, uh, promote away your social media, whatever you want to promote again. Uh, Je at Jeff Tate on Instagram and JeffTateComedy.com is my website. And it looks great. I got a new one built. Uh, nice. So I'm finally like, I finally have one that I'm like, no, go look at it. It's good. <laughs> it's good. It's not, it doesn't look like a fucking error page anymore or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's updated. It's got yeah. real, I was real able to, on it. I was able to pay someone to do it. And so it really helped. Good. Good for you, dude. Welcome to welcome to being a professional comic. Oh, I know, man. It only took. Here's how. Here's the secret. You just do it for a long time, and then hope one of your friends gets famous. 
You ain't lying, dude. You ain't lying. Thank you, Bill Burr. Thank <laughs> you, Bill Burr. Jeff, this is great, buddy. Thank you, man. Oh, thanks so much for having me. What I tell you, everybody. What I tell you, Jeff Tate. The silent next to me. In silent lucidity. Follow him on Twitter at G-E-O-F-F-T-A-T-E 96 on Instagram at Jeff Tate, G-E-O-F-F-T-A-T-E. And go to his website, jefftatecomedy.com for all things Jeff. I'm giving a shout out, listener shout out to Grace. I'm not even going to look. You know who you are. Grace, you rule. We just listened to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers from 1979. Our new music pick this week was submitted by our booker and love of my life, Emily Kagan. You know her. You love her. She's the reason we get the cool people. This is American singer-songwriter Cal Stamp, who takes a lot of cues from the enduring pop-rock icon Tom Petty. And you're listening to the song Trapped in Paradise off his debut solo EP, Nylon. It just came out, and you can find the links to the music on our website, the500podcast.com. Next week, it's Lauren Hill week. This is a good one. This is a good one. This is a good one. I'm a huge fan of this record. Uh, the Miseducation of Lauryn Hill came out in 1998. Very important record for me. Uh, so we're going to have a good guest. Do your homework.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Porn. Satan. Drugs. Therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Next Chapter Podcasts.